and we can point at mold we can point at past trauma it's at some point it doesn't matter what the triggers are it matters how you're going to calm the body down facts do not have opinions just don't let perfection be the enemy of the good Self-love is really about self-respect and acceptance. Welcome to season three, episode two of The Whole View. I'm Stacey Toth, and I am super excited to introduce you to my good friend, Jennifer Robbins. Welcome. Hello. So glad to be here. Yay. Back, right? You've been on the show previously, but it's been a hot minute. It has a long hot minute. (laughs) (laughs) I'm excited to talk about what you've been up to. I want to give people the reminder that neither one of us are medical professionals. And this podcast is for general educational purposes and not intended to diagnose, advise, or treat any physical or mental illness. We always recommend you consult a licensed service provider, which, Jen, I think you'll talk about numerous service providers that you've worked with over your health journey. Mm-hmm. Yes, many. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, if you're looking for more about Jen, we're going to dive in, but you can find her at predominantlypaleo.com. She's also the amazing woman-owned business behind Legit Bread Company. <laughs> Facts, yes. Uh I didn't know you were looking for confirmation. Yes, that's me. That's you. Just making sure. (laughs) All of those pancakes my children have been making for years. Like, that's you, right? Just making sure. That's me. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Same same girl. Mm -hmm. Well, I think what I want to tell our listeners about our connection is that it has been a true, authentic partnership with our whole selves for many years. We work together with Beauty Counter. You are my mentor. Mm -hmm. A lot of people don't know that. Um, And that's kept us close for many, many years. But we originally met in person in Northern Virginia and used to have gossipy coffee together, which I really miss. (laughs) I know. know. The good old days. Yes. Uh, Now you live in Florida and I live in Virginia. So we've seen each other a few times, but not nearly as often as when you were local. I remember. We just gossip on the phone now. Yeah, that's true. (laughs) (laughs) Call you up like, imagine I have Starbucks in my hand right now. Um, (laughs) Yeah, I remember when we first met, I was speaking at a local mom's group. And you walked up after I was still on stage. And I remember just being stunned by your beauty. And you're so much more than that. But I mentioned that because you speak so well to invisible illness, which clearly you had at that time because I looked at you as just this like glowing radiant person and never would have known the personal struggles that you were experiencing Mm -hmm. at that time Mm -hmm. and fortunately for me even though I was exhausted after a day of work and then being an introvert speaking on stage I said something that struck a chord with you um which you've since talked about several times but that brought us both together and really what brought us together was you brought me food after that. <laughs> you brought food to my office. And I was like, this is the most delicious thing I've ever eaten. It was way back when you were still making yuca dough before cassava flour was a thing. That's yep. that's how old we are. <laughs> that's how old we are. Yep. Mm-hmm. Way back. Way back in the day. So today I thought it would be great if we could. We have a listener question that when I got it, I was like, you know who needs to answer this question is Jen, because you have such a relatable journey that come from both like the, I'm going to work on lifestyle factors and dig into non-traditional approaches, but also I'm going to work with medical professionals and make sure that that component is taken care of. And it wasn't until both of those things came together that you experienced this next level of incredible healing in your journey. And Mm -hmm. 
I think that it's important to talk about how sometimes lifestyle can be helpful. Sometimes it can also be hurtful when we put so much into, I'm just going to pour everything I have into lifestyle and dietary changes and like, you know, oh, I don't trust modern medicine and how that can actually do more harm than good. And if we kind of take the best of everything that's coming at us and accept some of those medical needs, how that can Mm -hmm. be what we really need to move forward and feel good, which is ultimately the goal, right? Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. So why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself for listeners who might not know you, and then I can read the question and we'll dive in. Okay. Um, So I was always very healthy growing up. Um, I remember having, you know, perfect attendance, which by the way, I have (laughs) conflicting feelings about now as far as like how we praise that because it sort of punishes other people who are unable to have that. But um, it spoke to how healthy I was as a child because I rarely missed school. Um, And then as I guess stresses began to mount in my mid-20s, that's when the cracks started to show and I had never had any particular dietary issues that I was aware of. I didn't have any allergies. I wasn't sickly. I wasn't on medications, but in my mid twenties is when I began to have panic attacks and just feel unwell. And it was that malaise that people talk about where you can't necessarily put your finger on a specific symptom, but you just do not feel healthy. So I was having upwards of, it got to a point where I was having upwards of 10 panic attacks in a day. And it was so debilitating that I wasn't really able to eat because I had extreme, like almost paralysis and nausea with my panic attacks. So I was dropping weight. I could maybe get in one meal a day and that meal was rarely healthy because it was sort of like when you're pregnant, I wasn't, but, and you just have to eat like whatever you can stomach at the moment. And so I was really in not a great place. Um, and I ended up going on an SSRI at the time, which did help curb those panic attacks, but it didn't, heal anything. It didn't take away from the fact that there were some underlying issues, be it stress or something physical. I I didn't know what it was at the time, but it was after I got pregnant with my first two kids who were less than a year apart that I started having a lot more physical symptoms. So the panic had kind of died down and I was managing life, but I started having some Hashimoto symptoms, which at the time I didn't know what autoimmune thyroid disease was. I just knew that again, I started having these distinct physical symptoms, went to the doctor. They thought I had Graves disease. It wasn't my TSH at the time was zero, which is sort of unheard of. And so that's why she thought I had Graves But it just happened to be that I was in a Hashimoto's swing. So when I went back in six weeks, we saw there's the antibodies, there's the elevated TSH, ran some other labs. And that was kind of the kickstart to a major decline over the next, well, it really took about two decades, unfortunately, of like physical, um, emotional stress being a military spouse, moving around the world. So it was really a lot um, physically and emotionally on my body, along with the fact that I was, you know, solo parenting a lot of that time and in a new place every year and a half to two years. So it was a lot. It was a lot on the body. Um, and of course, as a military spouse, you rarely get to have family nearby. So the connection to community would vary depending on where we lived. So that was, of course, just an additional stressor. Um, And I battled everything from I had Lyme disease diagnoses, 
I had chronic infections, like viral infections. Uh, I had mold toxicity multiple times confirmed by both mold in the home, different homes, by the way, from water damage, uh, as well as I did tests on my body to see that there were actually those toxins in the body as well. So mycotoxins can show up in the blood and urine when you are exposed to, to toxic mold species. So it was just sort of a lot. And, you know, you think like, how can so many different things be happening at once? It seems like a lot of different diagnoses, but really it makes sense because all of these pathogens and toxicities work together. So when you find, you know, a weak spot in a person's body, they can all take advantage of that. So whereas a healthy body might be in situations where they're exposed to these things and not necessarily have any physical symptoms as a response, a weakened system can be exposed to the same things and it can be a cascade effect of symptoms and disease and, um, you know, lots of suffering, quite frankly. <laughs> so that's sort of how it all went down. And I threw everything at it. I mean, I, I did traditional medicine, I did energy therapies, I did acupuncture, I took supplements, I changed my diet. And I really, you know, in retrospect, I see that in seeking or regaining health, there's, there's three perspectives or three approaches you can add to, meaning you can add in supplementation or medication. Um, you can take away from, so you can remove toxins, you can remove uh, foods that are inflammatory. And then the third part is some degree of like peace and acceptance over certain things that you don't have the power to change. And so I didn't realize that until I was actually falling asleep last night, thinking about our talk today and realizing that we don't always discuss the approaches. We discuss like what, what we do, but not what the methods are rooted in. So, you know, add, subtract, and then just like, let it lie sort of, and accept that there are some things that maybe we learn to live with and not fight so hard against. Yeah, I think that's a really great point. And I do think that for most of us, we need some element of all of those things, right? Like, mm -hmm. what? and this goes to not just, you know, the medical conditions you're talking about. I think this also goes to things like the perception of our own bodies and how we might try to over-exercise and remove foods, i.e. under-eat. But there's also an element of just realizing that whatever this element is that you might be trying to attain is not really attainable and that there's no ideal, you know, scenario in which you're going to go back to your pre-baby weight, for example, because you've had mm -hmm. a baby. You're never, you know mm -hmm. what I mean? Like your body's right. never going to be the same again. Um, right. Or so, if you get there, maybe it's not healthy for you to be there. So right. maybe you can attain a goal, but you feel terrible in that body because it's not where your body needs to be for homeostasis and true health. And I, I don't think that at least for me personally, there was ever satisfaction because it was always a moving target, right? Like mm -hmm. it's just, it's never good enough. And so if you don't ever get to that third place of truly accepting what you cannot control and, and mm -hmm. learning to be okay with it, whatever that looks like, you're never going to be satisfied. So I love that you've kind of broken that down. And I know that we'll talk about where you are now, but spoiler alert, Jen's doing great. <laughs> but we have a listener question I want to read and we can kind of talk through how this parallels some with your story. The question is, hello, Stacy. That feels weird to write. Rest in peace, Sarah, but thank you for keeping the pot alive. But just side note, not rest in peace, Sarah. Sarah's doing fine. She's not resting. Um, but we're hoping that she's peaceful and doing well. Um, 
I was really interested in the tidbit in today's episode about multiple chemical sensitivities potentially being caused through anxiety, limbic system pathways. I love to hear more about this. Long story short, I'm dealing with what I can only describe as nervous system overaction, primarily manifesting as major food sensitivities, but also insomnia, feelings of rapid heartbeat, etc. What does the research say about the best method of limbic system retraining is? There are a lot of mindfulness type of programs out there, but it's hard to know what BS is and what's legit. One thing that's helped me is a device called the Apollo Neuro, which is why I think my issue is nervous system related, but I clearly need something more. Thank you so much. So Jen, as as I mentioned, when I read this question, I immediately thought of you because you've done things from Reiki to medical professionals about your heart and nervous system overaction and also improved anxiety and healed so much with Zoloft. I couldn't think of a better person to kind of jump in, like as you said, on all three of those fronts, how this listener whose name I don't have, so we'll just call them anonymous, sorry, <laughs> um, how, how this person is struggling right now. Yes. So I can relate to a lot of that. I did not have um, the chemical sensitivities part of that. Um, and, and this is where it's important to explore. So like if you believe that you have true cardiac symptoms, it is always good to make sure that your heart is in working condition. And I did have to do that on multiple occasions and wear a Holter monitor and, you know, got the the sign off from the cardiologist who was like, your heart's fine because you could not have convinced me otherwise. I'm like, no, there's definitely something going on. So I understand when you have physical symptoms like that, that are very strong, it's concerning, especially when it's a major organ system, you're like, what is up? So of course get, you know, all of that checked out, but, um, definitely a lot of those symptoms fall into limbic system dysfunction, which a lot of people in that field see as sort of a brain injury type of scenario. And the reason why is if you imagine a neural pathway in your brain, so it's not necessarily just a thought, but thoughts can be part of that as well. But if you imagine like water um, running the same path over time And, you know, you imagine like a canyon and that water will run through the rock, over the rock, and then eventually through the rock and carve out a space. That is what a neural pathway is. And so it will light up that connection. And you get to a point where whether it's from, you know, childhood trauma or abuse or an injury or um, something medical, you will start developing maladaptive neural pathways that will trigger some of those physical symptoms. And then you get to a point where now, you know, the the water is carving the path and you'll start having thoughts associated with those symptoms. So in the beginning, it might feel more random. And then over time, maybe you eat, you know, rice which is a fairly innocuous food, even though it's a grain and some people do better without, but let's just take like a basic food like rice. And so let's say you eat rice and then you notice some of those physical symptoms happen at a time around the rice eating. And maybe those symptoms happened before you even ate the rice, but in your brain, you start to make a connection between rice and Um, having these physical symptoms, whether it's a histamine flush or a rapid heart rate or POTS symptoms. And so now every time you think about rice, you are enforcing that neural pathway. So what could have started as something more random becomes an association. And then you don't even have to actually think about the connection. The neural pathway is now founded. So you start just avoiding rice altogether because in your brain, those things are connected. Those physical symptoms are connected with that food or that event. Or if you go to a certain place or if you're in, um, 
you know, an environment that you think is dangerous to you. And so your brain is trying to protect you. It's not, you know, the amygdala is the reptilian brain and it's, it wants to protect you. It's, it's doing its job, but also it's, you're not being chased by a tiger and you might not be in a car accident. Like you might not be in these really dangerous scenarios that require your amygdala to work that hard. These are day-to-day situations that now have associations um, that make you feel as if you're in danger. And so they will trigger these nervous system responses. And when your nervous system is overstimulated, when you're under a lot of stress or when you have a major toxic exposure it's like those neural pathways just stay lit up. And I got to that place too, when I was living in mold, um, one of the, actually the last time it was in our, uh, our HVAC unit. And so when we would blow heat in the winter, it was just blowing spores throughout the house. So before we figured that out, I was feeling really rotten, but I couldn't figure out where it was coming from. Or why? Because, you know, it was a newer build house and it didn't make any sense. And I had been doing pretty well for a while. But once that started, um, the decline started. And then I know that there were new neural pathways that were being formed because then I would start feeling those associations and add that to the stress that my body was, you know, under from actual mycotoxins and the stress of being ill, and you've just got this perfect storm. And so there are different programs. Um, DNRS is one of the original ones. That's the Dynamic Neural Retraining System. Um, I did start with that one. And the one that I ended up with, or sort of like making a combination of the two, was the Gupta program. He's out of the UK. And the only reason that I really ended up going more Gupta, and I know there are even more programs since then, but um, I related more to Gupta's personality than I did to Annie Hopper's. And she's great. I mean, she's helped so many people and there's nothing wrong with her. But I do feel like if you are being led by an instructor you want to feel connected to them, um, even though this was all virtual for me. So I started with those two programs and store, I kind of merged them together and took bits and pieces from each. But it wasn't just that alone. So what I also noticed was that um, I was listening and reading um, Dr. Joe Dispenza's work, and he, a lot of people have heard of him by now, but at the time, he was maybe a little less common because this is several years back, but he wrote, uh, you are the placebo and breaking the habit of being yourself, which are both phenomenal. And it goes through how powerful the brain is. So, you know, it's, it's not about these physical symptoms being in your head. They're not made up. They are truly very physical, but there are ways to work with your brain to also remove physical um, symptoms of discomfort. So he talks about, oh my gosh, so many things that really just struck a chord with me in the best way. And as I was working on, you know, meditation combined with neural retraining and then listening to his work, all the while I was treating for mold. And what's interesting is that I took all the supplements that you're supposed to, you know, I took the binders, I took the things that are supposed to replace what's missing when you have mycotoxins in your body. And that was not working. So here's where we go back to healing by adding things in. I was adding all the supplements. I was taking in the nutrition that, you know, I, I knew that I needed to combat mold. And I didn't notice anything. I mean, high dose vitamin C, all of the, all of the right stuff. And I think I, you know, it was one of those phases I went through where I was up to 30 supplements a day. Those should be doing something. 
I mean, at least two or three of them should have been, and I could not get on top of it. And it wasn't until I started down this other path that I started seeing shifts and I went off the supplements altogether because honestly, I was spending a fortune just trying to supplement my way back to health. And that's not what the issue was. But during that time, which a lot of people may not be able to do this, but if you are able, it's really interesting to see. I ran a neurotransmitter panel because chronic illness can absolutely affect your neurotransmitters. So even when you don't feel like there's something to be depressed about or something to be anxious about, you know, most people look for, well, I didn't have anything huge or eventful happen in my life. I didn't go through divorce. I didn't lose a loved one. I didn't, you know, why would I have these issues? But just living in a chronic state of illness can deplete your neurotransmitters. So mine were tanked. I mean, everything that was supposed to be low was high. Everything that was supposed to be high was low. My ratios were off. And that's when I knew I had to add in another component, which for me was um, taking very low dose Zoloft to take the edge off of my nervous system so that it didn't have to stay in this fight or flight response all the time. And by the way, I wasn't having panic attacks, so it didn't feel like the traditional fight or flight, but I could tell that my nervous system was somehow under attack. And we can point at mold, we can point at past trauma. It, it, it's at some point, it doesn't matter what the triggers are. It matters how you're going to calm the body down. And so it took definitely the combination of taking low-dose Zoloft, which is so funny because I've had doctors since tell me that the dose that I'm on, which is like, I think 25 million, whatever the starting dose is, it's like a pediatric dose, basically. They're like, that's not enough to do anything. And I'm like, okay, I mean, that's fine. You can call it a placebo. You can call it whatever you want. But I know that meditation alone wasn't doing it. And the supplements weren't doing anything. And it was after I started the low-dose Zoloft combined with neural retraining and being really committed to it that I saw huge, gigantic shifts towards health. I I just want to like drop the mic on everything that you just said. And I'm so grateful that you're sharing your story with everyone because it's so, so powerful. And I know that the question specifically asked for what does the science say? And we'll put some of the references that you gave the resources in the show notes. This ad is sponsored by Bombas. Their mission is simple. Make the most comfortable clothes ever and match every item sold with an equal item donated. So when you buy Bombas, you're also giving to someone in need. In fact, I've used our code to buy the entire family Bombas socks for our Disney trip. I wanted a pair for myself every day. And when I asked Matt if he wanted more, he said, Yes, I highly recommend the quarter size performance blend, which wicks away moisture and has an amazing cushion. Perfect for protecting against blisters and achy feet. Okay, so I know I'm a broken record, but I am obsessed with Bomba socks. I did not understand that socks could be this amazing. The blister protection and cushioning on the performance socks are everything. I love the ankle and the no-show socks. And they have a lifetime guarantee, even protecting against laundry disappearances and hungry puppies. Given how often our kids and I get holes in our socks, that's an investment worth making. And they do good for the world. So far, Bombas customers have helped donate over 50 million items of essential clothing. Socks, underwear, and t-shirts are all three of the most requested clothing items at homeless shelters, and Bombas donates one for every item you buy. I need to try those soft, seamless, tagless, and luxuriously cozy shirts and underwear. Give it a try. Go to bombas.com slash wholeview and get 20% off your first purchase. That's B-O-M-B-A-S dot com slash whole view for 20% off 
bombas.com slash whole view. I also want to say that not only is everything that you're talking about specific to the kind of healing that we're specifying as it relates to kind of chronic illness, limbic system, anxiety, all of those things also manifested incredibly specifically in Matt and I's lives over the last two years as we, you know, had kind of collective trauma from how our lives were turned upside down from the pandemic. And then on top of that with kiddo. So I've actually done a lot of resource, a lot of research for our foster kid on some of the neural remapping that needs to happen for the traumas that they've experienced and how that plays out in the triggers that come up in their life. And some of something that you said just was so vivid in a, a memory that I have of theirs because now they're on a path of healing and they they feel safe, they feel secure, they formed a healthy attachment which are all really great things that we worked hard for for a long time. Mm-hmm. But now they have that mapping that you speak to of, but they, it was wired in them for so long to be weary of those things, to, to mm-hmm. not trust that, that sometimes they'll be triggered by the littlest of things. Like we, sometimes they don't even know what it was. And they'll say, I don't know why, but I feel this anxiety that they, they have, they have some words for it. Right. But they're mm-hmm. like, I'm, I'm feeling these negative thoughts. I'm having these sort of things. And I know that I'm safe. I know that you love me, but I, I don't know why I'm feeling them anyway. And I think you spoke to that so well in that rice example was a fantastic example because so many of us, I think can relate to having done elimination diets and then adding foods back in and just being paralyzed by the fear of this, this isn't going to go well, right? Like Mm -hmm. just kind of convincing yourself, oh no, it's not going to be fine. I know that that was the case for me with corn. Um, I, I was accidentally ate a lot of the other foods like eggs. And then I'd realize after, oh, eggs are in mayonnaise. I ate an egg. I feel fine because it was accidental and it Mm -hmm. wasn't like in my head that it was going to be a problem. And I realized that I had this like, I had convinced myself that I could not do corn. And then we, we did a deep dive show on corn and Sarah went through the science on it as being a food that can be beneficial to the gut microbiome. And I was like, okay, do I really have a problem with corn (laughs) or do Mm -hmm. I, do I think that I have a problem with corn? And therefore I've convinced myself of that. And I started thinking about all of the foods that I eat that have corn starch or whatever, right? Like gluten-free breads or whatever Mm -hmm. that I'm just Mm -hmm. kind of like, Oh, I was like not acknowledging or owning that that was corn and therefore thinking corn is a problem. I still don't, want popcorn like I am still have a negative association with it to the point where I don't want it right it's like right it's kind of uh like smoking I know that's a really bad example um I hope that not many people were smokers but I was a smoker (laughs) and in order to quit I had to convince myself that like smoking was disgusting smoking is awful and therefore like I created this mindset of I don't want that because it's gross, right? Not it's Mm -hmm. bad for me, but I had to like tell myself that it was gross. And I have that kind of association with corn like you were describing, but I had to understand that that's what I was doing with it in order to kind of like remap this formation. And I think kind of fully understanding that your brain can do that and, and taking that evaluation and using some of the resources that you've talked about is 100% backed up in the medical literature. I put a couple of references to um, studies done in the show notes specific to CBT, which is another, that's cognitive behavioral therapy. Um, So it's not the same as DNRS, but the concepts um, in terms of remapping your behavior and your perception of things are very closely aligned. And I know CBT really well because it's what um, Matt is doing for his anxiety that's worked incredibly well and what we've done with kiddo. And I know that there are resources available in Wondrium, which we've talked about previously. It's like, I don't know if you know what it is, but it's like um, 
like online courses that you can take, Jen. you know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like mm-hmm. it's like by an expert who's kind of walking you through and talking you through different things. Um, and then also clinicians through BetterHelp, right? Like you were saying that you worked um, with individuals. I know also that there are therapists who focus in CBT and DBT, which is dialectable, I think, behavioral therapy. I don't have it in front of me, but um, both of those are also really fantastic ways to kind of sort through some of this stuff in your own brain because it is powerful. And I love that you also said that it's not that it's not real. It is your brain is physically causing these things to happen. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. if someone is dismissive and says something like, well, you just have anxiety and you need to work on that versus fully understanding the impact that your brain is having on the rest of your body and treating that from a holistic perspective, I personally would definitely get a different doctor who will understand and and have compassion and work with you on those things because there are so many people I hear from that have medical harm and discrimination from not being believed by their doctors and how much worse their health is made by walking away feeling badly about themselves or what they've experienced or, you know, all of that stuff versus being validated with, yes, absolutely, you are experiencing this symptom. Mm -hmm. It might be coming from a different place than you think. Let's explore that. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. I was one of those people. I mean, I had, uh, after the birth of my third child, I was, that's when there's like a postpartum period for me around, four to five months. And it happened after the first two also that there's obviously a a major shift in hormones or something. But after the third one is when I got super sick again. And I went to an OBGYN asking to run like some hormones. I, I mean, I didn't know what to ask for, but I was just trying to seek help. And she, uh, was so belittling and said, you know, being a mom is super hard. And sometimes we just really need a gym membership and a good therapist. And I was like, I could barely drive myself here. Like I am not well. And it's not because I'm not working out and need a therapist. I mean, anybody needs a therapist. I'm not saying that, but the way that she whittled it down to like, these two things are going to be the answer to whatever you have going on was just, and, and I had so much medical trauma as it was, but yes, it's, it's definitely being believed is so important. And the, on the flip side of that, you as a patient or you as a sufferer or you as a victim of whatever it is also have, you must believe that you have the ability to heal. Nothing that you can or will do for your health will work if you believe nothing will. And I've been in a place before too, where, you know, I joined other sick people on uh, Facebook pages or like medical boards or whatever, groups I could find, um, to connect with people who are like me, but like they say, misery loves company. And a lot of times in those groups, what you find are people who keep each other sick because the focus is not actually on healing. It's about suffering. And when the focus is always on suffering, how do you find your way out of that? It's impossible. So you can take the antibiotics, you can take the supplements, you can go to, you know, a a therapist or a provider that does these different therapies. But if your belief fundamentally is I'm never getting out of this and my body is nothing works for me. You've heard people say that before. I've tried it all and nothing works for me. But also where is our role as a patient or as a person who wants to heal? Where's our role in that? And, and I'm not blaming people for feeling that way. That is also valid. And it sometimes it's part of the journey back to health that you are stuck in that place for a while. And it's not until somebody 
shows you how they pulled themselves out of it. But belief in healing is fundamental to healing. I, again, love everything you just said and totally agree. I was uh, reading Alice of the Heart by Brene Brown recently, and I can't recall the quote, but there was a portion in the book where she talks about essentially, you know, the feelings of validation, whether it relates to grief or shame or some of these other feelings that we feel when we have chronic illness. And she wasn't specifically talking about chronic illness, but she was talking about the feelings that we feel. And Mm -hmm. um, she spoke to having a certain amount of time to like a very specific and I, I wish that I could remember off the top of my head, but it's a book and I don't, I'm not a um, photographic memory type person, (laughs) but she said, essentially, like you take that time to accept, to, um, to feel the grief and to maybe find a community of people who are also going through the same thing, right? Like that's why grief support groups and different kinds of things exist. But then there has to be this motivation to want to come out of that, right? Like, Mm -hmm. and if we stay in that place, it's never, as you said, going to get better, right? We have to pull ourselves out. And I've been through plenty of support groups where there's always that person in a in a positive support group or that it's just the entire support group is really more about what you're talking about, right? Staying in the place of I feel this and I'm looking for validation versus mm-hmm. and I'm ready to not feel this anymore. I'm ready to try to, to take that next step. So um, I love that you mentioned that because I think it's super important and was a huge element in my own growth, whether it be physical, emotional, um, in terms of also reshaping my communities, right? Not just like the support groups or the Facebook groups that you're in, but I know also for po- for both of us, part of the journey mm-hmm. over the last few years has been evaluating who our circle is what our community, what our network looks like, and are they supporting the path that we want to be on, right? Like, mm-hmm. if will they help me get to where I want to go? Like, they helped me got they helped get me here, but are they right. going to help get me to where I want to go? And right. reconstructing what that circle looks like also was imperative in the daily anxiety that we were feeling that kind of like raises that. Right. Like the mold is, as you said, kind of major cup spill over. Right. But you were already at a place where things were were escalated. Right. You were in a place you didn't mm-hmm. love, uh, whether you didn't love, you right. didn't have people around. Right. And right. so then, you know, your your cup is almost full already. And then you pour something else on and then it's too much. Right. And so when we're surrounded by people who aren't giving us that the help to come down from our escalations to reduce the general anxiety, then mm-hmm. we're always going to be more affected by the things that hit us, whether it be chemical sensitivities, food sensitivities, or actual traumas or triggers in our life, because we're we're already escalated before that thing hit, which makes it that much right. harder for our bodies to process because it's already elevated. Um, right. So I do want to mention um, the question spoke to Apollo Neuro. And I'm going to say something here that I don't specifically have science to support, but I think that you'll agree with me here, which is the, it was specifically referred to, um, there are a lot of mindfulness type programs out there, but it's hard to know what's BS and what's legit. One thing that helped me is a device called Apollo Neuro. Um, And so I'm going to say that even if it's BS, if it helps you Mm -hmm. do it, Right. Because I I remember, Jen, when you told me that you were trying Reiki and I was in a place where I could probably have benefited from bringing that general anxiety down. And you were like, do you want me to hook you up with this person? Because it's been really beneficial to me. And I was like, no, I'm really glad that's working for you. But I want nothing to do with that. Right. Right. And I think the thing is, it's not a matter of like, is Reiki scientifically supported does not matter if it's providing, even if it's a placebo effect for someone to feel better, to practice mindfulness, to identify the areas in their own life that are causing them stress and to work on it. That is huge. And that is 100% supported by the science that will help improve health. So whether the Apollo Noro, 
you know, has science behind it, which is, I looked into it, they say it's a wearable hug for your not so nervous system. It's a, it's wearable and it provides uh, sound touch therapy that you wear on your ankle or wrist. It's silent with soothing vibrations that speak to your nervous system, telling you that you're safe and in control. So as I imagine this, this is 100% part of the remapping Mm -hmm. that we were talking about earlier, right? It's, it's giving you a cue that you're escalated in some sort of way. Kind of like, I mean, even for me, the Apple Watch, sometimes my heart rate would get high. Mm-hmm. And it was it was when I was super stressed about something and it would like tap me on the wrist and it would say like, your heart rate's high. And I would be like, oh, I need to do some breathing and I need to calm myself down. Right. Like, if that's working, that's fantastic. And there are a lot of tools out there like that. Like, um, I think it's called DTAP therapy or just tap therapy, right? Like different yeah. kinds of things where you're, you're creating physical sensations that change your mental state. And I know, for example, CBT, one of the things that we do is drink a cold cup of water if someone is escalated and someone is kind of, you know, spiraling or becoming dissociated or escalating, like you were having panic attacks, different things like that, right? If you're able to physically change the body in some sort of way, be it with temperature, like you can hold ice in your hand or, you know, drink a cup of ice cold water or different kinds of things in this Apollo neuro case, like, right, it's, if it's giving you some sort of um, vibration or, you know, someone else gives you a hug or holds your hand or, you know, rubs your back, these kinds of things can affect your physical and emotional response. Right. And it's a redirection. And Mm -hmm. that's what, that's what neural retraining is. It's a redirection. So when you have like part of the training with any of these programs is when you feel that uh, a trigger of some kind come on. So maybe you were exposed to, to the food that you are convinced makes you very sick. And I'm not saying that there aren't foods that make you sick, like absolutely. But or you're exposed to a person that creates certain things, uh, feelings or uh, physical responses, you have to redirect that neural pathway. Cause the pathway, it's like, you know, you've, you've started the boat down the, down the stream and you kind of have to go, okay, forget about that boat. What about this boat that we can go on this stream that doesn't have so many rocks and, you know, dangers ahead. And when you redirect, you're forming a new pathway. And the new pathway is the adaptive pathway that you want to enforce over and over. So let's say I used to be triggered when I would walk into big box stores, the lighting in there. And even now, um, it's not so much of an issue, but the lighting is very harsh. And it would make my nervous system that was already kind of fragile, feel really frazzled. And so if I'd walk in and I'd feel symptoms come on, um, before neural retraining, I would like fight my way through, right? Like just fight, just get, get what you need and get out. And it was kind of like, uh, it was still a frantic approach while I was already being overstimulated in that way. Whereas with neural retraining, if you're exposed to that, you basically are talking to your inner toddler and comforting them. So you say, you know, I'm safe right now. There's nothing that is putting me in danger. And you, but at the same time, you're saying like, stop to those other thoughts. Like I'm in a place of danger. I need to hurry. This is, this is bad. I I'm, I'm going to be harmed. So you have to say, like, stop to those feelings and then redirect and take the fork in the road down that different direction. And then you enforce that different direction by saying, like, I'm fine. I'm here to shop. I'm perfectly safe. I need to get some tissue. Maybe I'll stop and look at the T-shirts because we're in Target and they always have something good, you know. So you start telling a different story and eventually your brain catches on. And after a while, you don't have to tell that story to yourself anymore because your brain just understands now I walked into Target and I'm safe. And so you don't have to always, you know, over time, you don't have to reinforce, reinforce, reinforce that you're safe. You now understand fundamentally your amygdala is there to say, 
hey, you're safe. It's okay. Go ahead. Do what you got to do in here. And then the you take the work aspect out of it and the neural pathway that you want to be there that should have been there from the beginning is now enforced. I love it. I love it so much. Jen, thank you for sharing your experiences and stories with us. And listeners, I want to let you know that we do have plans for Jen to come back. Um, We're going to dig into mold because I know no one who knows this much about mold as you. (laughs) And um, your alternate persona and partner... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Esther and Loretta will be back before you're back. I can't wait for uh, to introduce you listeners, but also for my own personal experience with Esther and Loretta. Um, and we'll also be hopping over to patreon.com slash the whole view to talk about what we really thought about this topic. And I do have a fun story to share specific to one of our own experiences doing some of this remapping that... Um, has adult language, so it has to be over on Patreon. (laughs) But if you want to follow Jen, which I highly recommend, you can go to predominantlypaleo.com. You can find her on Instagram at predominantly underscore paleo. And you can also support Jen by shopping her legit bread company products. I personally love the pancake mix. That's our family's favorite. I will order like 10 at a time and then Jen will call or text me after and be like, why didn't you just tell me you needed pancake mix? <laughs> I'm like, no, I just, I feel badly. You cannot keep up with my four teenage children's pancake needs. Um, but we love that mix so much. And you have a lot of other products over there. Perfect for um, spring baking, Easter coming up, Passover coming up, all that kind of stuff. So definitely check out Jen at predominantlypaleo.com and we'll be back again next week. Thanks so much again, Jen, for joining the show. You got it. And now I cannot believe I'm like, Matthew, it's a cut point. The cat is crying outside my door. Are you kidding me? (laughs) (sighs) Why? Why do I have all of these animals? (laughs) That's why I'm I'm in the car. That's why you're in the car. I'm in the car. (laughs) Danny, go away. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the Roaring Twenties. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.